care of that before they really get all jacked up. I make time for everything else and except for myself. That, that's usually how it goes. Okay, Clark, you're drinking something too now. Now, what do you drink? Vodka. Are you serious? Always. Oh, my man. In a, in a Mickey Mouse cup. Now, that's funny. Meanwhile, I have my old regular glass here. <laughs> what you got going on there, Al? Rosé beer. Oh, that's what's up. Some light. So, while we're chit-chatting, I might as well say, welcome back to another episode of Single Dad, Why You Mad. I'm David, I'm a single dad to my one and only child. His name is Miles, he is three years old and I had him at the age of 50. And I'm Clark, I'm a single dad to three daughters ages 18, 13 as of this coming Thursday, and 11. And my first kid at 25 years old. So I've been doing this daddy thing for God, as long as I remember being an adult. And one of the first things we like to do on Single Dad Why You Mad is define what we believe uh, a single dad is. So right. a single dad is a father who is not in a relationship with his co-parent, but he spends a significant amount of time raising and is involved with that child. So by that, we mean not that you're just throwing money at the issue and that he lives with mama full time, or not that you go pick him up on the weekends and then you bring him to your mama's house or your sister's house, and then you don't come get him until Sunday when it's time to bring him back to the co-parent, but that you are deeply involved with raising that child. That's how we define a single dad. Call it businessing with your kid. Doing business with your kids, which is going to be one of our first merch. I actually got asked about that today. When are we releasing merch? And um, then, uh, Clark, you got another reminder for me. Sure. And I also wanted to remind everyone that despite us sharing our opinions and our experiences here, we are not, nor do we claim to be, parenting, child-rearing, dating, relationship, co-parenting, financial, or baby mama experts. We're exactly the opposite. We are flying the plane and changing the oil at the same time. We're just sharing our experiences while we do so. And um, one of the last things I want to talk about real quick before we get into a very special episode with a very special guest, Single Dad, Why You Mad? What is in a name? I'm going to talk more about the evolution of the name as time goes on, because we're actually working on something with respect to that. But if you see that name and you're going to hear two dads doing nothing but bashing their co-parents, you might as well switch the channel and go someplace else, because that's not what we do. And I'm not going to say that we don't have challenges with our co-parents and that we don't run into difficulties. But the goal here or the game here is to not bash our co-parents, but to more grow from the experiences with our co-parents and with our children. Am I missing anything there, Chris? No, I, I think you're absolutely right, man. And, and we've touched on this a few times in the past. When we have frustrated moments, absolutely. But more so than anything, that's a part of us having human moments, which we're looking for and striving to have real and genuine moments. And particularly with our conversations with each other, learning moments where we go, yo, I was able to express something in a forum and a format that can help other people grow. I mean, that's what we're aiming for. Absolutely. So we have been asked time and time again, or let me just say I have been asked, I think you've been asked also, Chris, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that we go deeper, especially when it came to how the fuck did I get here? People wanted us to go deeper. Tell me more. And today we have somebody joining us. Ellen, is it okay to say your last name? It is. Okay, and as long as I've known it, just make sure I pronounce it right. I'm going it, yeah. Wanjiru. You got it. Look at that. So I have known Ellen for 20 plus years. Is it 20 been 20 yeah. plus years? It's a little over 20, yeah. 
And there was probably about four or five years in that 20 plus years where uh, Ellen and I fell out of touch. And then I remember I saw her, you don't know if you remember this, I saw you outside, it was either Lotus or it was that other club that was down the block from Lotus. And I hadn't seen okay. you in such a long time and I was so angry that I hadn't seen you, but I was just so happy to see you. And we just immediately reconnected. But the first time I met you, you was like, what, 19 years old? And you was promoting parties or something like that? We met at um, a venue in Fort Lee. It was my 20th birthday party that myself and I think I was working with the Three Stooges at the time. Yes. Were throwing. Um, and you just happened to be posted up, um, looking as fly as always. And we just struck up a conversation. And that just led us down a 20-year authentic friendship. A 20 years of authentic friendship, yeah. So uh, Ellen actually does her own podcast. Well, Ellen, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? So yes, I am uh, one half of the Be Easy podcast. Um, it's myself and my co-host, Byron Westbrook, and he is a former NFL player. Um, him and I have been friends for about 10 years, and we've always wanted to um, start a podcast individually. But it's not until the last year that we kind of put our minds together and figured out, you know what, we both want to do this. Let's try to make it happen together. So the premise of the podcast is a male-female dynamic. Um, our motto is we talk a lot of intelligent shit, we laugh out loud a lot, and um, we strive to be better humans. So we tackle all sorts of um, topics, society, culture, a little bit of politics, not too much of that, but music, film, just pretty much any and everything that's going on in our culture. And then you also have a segment called Deep Dive. Yes. So the podcast is broken up into weekly updates, hot button topics, and then we do deep dives. So we pick two topics that we deem as important and we just really analyze it from both perspectives. Sometimes we pull other people's opinions into it and just kind of look at it from different angles. But I am a sucker for a deep dive because it allows me to ask a lot of questions. It allows me to, um, like I said, really analyze an issue or a topic in a way that I don't know that is usually done. So I, I'm all about deep dives and I can't wait to deep dive into y'all shit. So um, <laughs> I'm not nervous at all. So 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 normally at this time, right, um, Chris and I do a little bit about uh, what did he do this week and what did I do this week. But uh, I didn't really do anything this week, Chris, except work. Did you do anything? Actually, this week was, was kind of awesome. This past weekend, my company flew me out to North Carolina to meet Martin Luther King's youngest daughter. So it, it, like, I'm, I'm still kind of tripping off of that. It was like literally a 24-hour turnaround kind of trip. I head up the Black Professionals Group or the uh, state chapter here in Connecticut for my company. And they were like, yeah, she's coming. She's coming to talk to some employees out in North Carolina. We've earmarked some money for you to go. So book a ticket. Here you go. And um, they flew me out, got me reservations in, in a hotel. And you know, as luck would have it, the hotel was like, oh, we got your reservation. Uh, we're going to upgrade you to an executive suite. I walked into the room. I looked around. I walked back out. And I was like, looked in the hallway, see if anybody was there. I took my camera out and did like the, the complete MTV Cribs tour of the place while recording. Yeah, I was like, wow. I don't know when I'm going to see a room like this again. But it, it was it was awesome. Great night's sleep. Got up the next morning. And we sat in a, a theater. Our company has like a location, an auditorium. And I think it sits maybe 500 to 1,000 people, right? They set aside four overflow rooms because 
they figured we wouldn't be able to spit everybody who showed up into that one room. And then on top of it, they were turning people away. They were just like, yeah, we just have no more room to, to hold guests. And this lady, it was literally, it's funny because I want to say she was born in Alabama, raised in, or born in Georgia. And listening to her talk, because you're figuring like, oh, this is Martin Luther King's daughter. Like there's this preconceived air that you have about her. And then she's sitting there talking. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like having a conversation with my sisters. Like she's boom bapping with the hands and she's like, you know what I'm saying? And she's and she's mm-hmm. addressing a lot of stuff that you wouldn't think you wouldn't think that she would, you know, that she would touch on. Talking about you know, her childhood and talking about the anger and rage that she felt growing up in battles with suicide and her call to ministry. And I could rattle on about this for the entire podcast. I'm going to bring it back to center and just say, I'm still in like a wow moment behind this. Congratulations. All right. So um, getting to it, like I already said, and uh, Chris has said also, people have asked us to go deeper, especially into how the fuck we got here. And how the fuck we got here, the title of that, you know, was basically with the best of intentions, right? Like, it's not that, you know, I had a one night stand and I got somebody pregnant and I asked her to get an abortion and she said no. And that's how I ended up here. Right. Or anything like that. I met somebody, she got pregnant. And the idea was that we were going to be together and uh, have more and get married and everything else that goes along with that. So with the best of intentions, how the fuck did I end up here as a single dad? Now, Ellen, I do not want to limit you to just that. <laughs> right? This is me. I can't speak for Chris, right? But I want you to ask me whatever it is you want to. And I will do my best to be honest about it and open without fucking myself up. (laughs) So, um, you know, before I make no such promise, I'm gonna lie through my teeth. (laughs) Oh, no. We need transparency. That's the whole purpose of a deep dive. Yeah, but before we do that, we want to do just a little word association just to warm each other up. So, Ellen, I'm going to go first. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to ask you a couple of words. Or I'm going to say about four or five words. And you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. Children. Zero. Husband. Uncertain. Relationships. Commitment. Fidelity. Cheating. That's all I got for you. Then I guess I'll jump in with my five. First thing that comes to your mind, Ellen. Love. Truth. Dating. Stress. Money. Wealth. Peace. War. The future. Unknown. Mm, I digs. I digs. So, Ellen, um, unless you want to uh, word association with us. I would like to. So I'm going to start with David. Um, Tolerance. White people. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Commitment. I would love to be able to. The older I get, the nastier I get. (laughs) Okay, I'm done with you, David. So so no, let me just say say something about that. No, I had three. I had three. But let me just say something about that. Let me just say something about that, right? Let me just say something about that. All right, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk, right? Let me tell you. Let me tell you what I notice as I get older, right? If you just come over here looking for you know, um, straight up missionary sex. Uh, you got the wrong channel, my nigga. I cannot, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. So, you know, wait, I have a question. After though. 30 years of sex, 
you know what I'm saying? I need some spice, right? I'm, so, I'm sorry. You need to be able to do something in the car. You need to be able to do something outside, on the beach, and a whole bunch of other things that I'm not comfortable saying right now, but go ahead. Well, David, are you, are you expecting um, women to already know this, or is this like a conversation you all are having beforehand so she knows what's going on in your head? Because expectations will kill some shit really quickly. So that is a good point, Ellen. Do I just come right out and say to a woman, hey, uh, I need to know where you are on the nasty meter. Are you a one or are you a 10? No, I'm not doing that, right? I have not done that. And maybe I should do that. Somebody did that with me. Yeah, it's funny what you said about expectations. And I, I think this is something that I try to carry in almost every aspect of my life. I carry no expectations for anyone, and I realize I am rarely disappointed and often pleasantly surprised. I'd rather, I find that the older that I get, I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than disappointed. Right. So I, I too have limited my level of expectations. Okay, so I have my word association for you. Accountability. Fatherhood. Divorce. Surprised I didn't think of it first. Patience. I'll go back to fatherhood. <laughs> okay. Let the game begin. All right. So do I jump in or, or what, no. what, what do you yeah. want me to do? Yeah, just jump in. So, okay. So what's, what's interesting about the two of you is you both have um, unique circumstances, yet there are some similarities. And the one similarity that I'm interested in exploring is the fact that both the women in your lives chose to exit their relationship. So, Clark, I'm sorry, you mentioned, I think it was in episode three or four, I'm not sure, that your ex-wife was done, right? And I think there was only one year left to get to alimony, but she was done before that. But she didn't want to wait to get the bread. She was done. So my question is, what role do you think you played in her being done? You know, it's interesting because I don't think she did the research in terms of like, oh, this is what I'm entitled to or this is what I get. I don't know if the money really played a factor in her decision to leave. In terms of my role, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I would say there, there's a couple of parts I play. I think if I'm really candid and honest, I was incredibly work-focused. I still am. I'm incredibly career-focused. And it, it's interesting. I was having the conversation with one of, my, one of my former coworkers today. And I said, I remember having the conversation with my ex-wife while you know, we were married and saying, you are not cut out to be a CEO's wife. That's not how you're built. I said, because for me, there's certain things that I have to do and certain things that I'm trying to accomplish for our family. And I don't have the time to do the constant turnaround and like, yo, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Now, absolutely. If, you, if you're not okay and you shout out, help me, or I'm not okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to take care of you. But I'm also not that dude be constantly doing the check-in and pulse check. And I think for her, she definitely needed somebody in her life who was far more attentive in that way. You know, and it, it's interesting because she and I have a lot of conversations about this kind of stuff. And it's one of the things that like, you know, if you follow like my individual Instagram, I, I posted something about it a while back. It's the idea of the confusion for time and attention for affection and intent. And just mm -hmm. because a dude is around all the time and he answers the phone as soon as you call, and he responds to text messages right away, doesn't mean that he's accomplishing the things that you need him to accomplish, or he has your best interests at heart. That was a huge disconnect with us. Do you think that if she had done the homework, 
and found out that, you know, if she hung out one more year, then she would have gotten alimony also. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. Ellen, that's if I'm stepping on you right now, but you- No, that's, that's fine. No, no, that's fine. I, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't think she will. Cause like when we talk about it, we were married for four years, but we had been together for about 10 years at that point. And it, when she talks about it, she goes, you know, I was considering leaving two years in advance. And, and it's funny because I, you know, in, in my deconstruction of divorce and my conversation with divorce, that tends to be a very common concept. It tends to be that the dude is always like, oh my God, I can't believe like we're, we're splitting up. I can't believe this is coming to an end. And for the woman, a lot of women I've come across, it's, you know, I can't understand why he didn't see that something was wrong. Like I've been struggling with this for six months two years, five years, in some instances, as much as 10. So I, I think ours is a very Mars and Venus situation. Like, you know, just very much male-focused, male energy in some very traditional senses versus female-focused and female energy in very traditional senses. So then my follow-up question to that is, what role do you think she played in the relationship being over? Wow. Yo, if you listen, I'm sorry. No. Um, yeah, I, I think... You know, she carries with her a very significant pain body that affects the ways that she views things. And while she was the one who was like, I'm leaving and we should get a divorce, ultimately me who filed. And my filing came from us sitting down one day and me going, you know what? Because when she was like, she wanted to leave, I was like, oh my God, like, I, I got to get shit together. I got to figure things out. I got to straighten this out because I didn't see it as bad as she did at the time when she suggested we get divorced. And I was like, oh my God, like I have to save my family and I'm like trying to do things and go to therapy and so forth. But then there came a point and, and I came to the realization, it was like, no matter how much love, it's not going to be enough. Let me interject, because you said something earlier that the one thing that she wanted, you weren't able to do or provide because you were work focused. So it's interesting that you make that statement now that it wasn't enough, but it sounded like you knew what she needed, or is that something you came to in hindsight? I think I came to it in hindsight. I would say there was an expectation on her part that I wasn't emotionally available. That was what she had put mm -hmm. out there. And I looked at myself and I was like, wow, you know, I am focused on these things and, and you know, career oriented and, you know, focused on things outside of the house. But then, you know, if I'm looking at the holistic picture and taking in the commentary and views of people who, who've known us and, and, and shared our lives with us, it was like, you were incredibly supportive in a lot of ways. And, you know, you were incredibly, you know, available in a lot of ways but you weren't always there in the moment in terms of like, I called you and you didn't answer the phone right away. Kind of or I want you to sit at home today and just be here. And I'm like, well, I've got stuff to do. You know, so I think that that was a huge disconnect. Gotcha. And if she hadn't ended it, would you have? At that moment, I wouldn't have. And I always say like, you know, whenever people ask me about my marriage and about my divorce, you know, you know I'm not embarrassed that I got divorced. Very often I'm embarrassed that I wasn't the one who saw that what we had was broken. When people get divorced, there's usually some underlying problem. Now, maybe, you know, you get people who go, who rush to divorce, you know, when they've had something pretty good and out of a moment of frustration, a moment of passion, go, okay, I'm absolutely done with this thing. But generally there's some underlying trauma and some underlying cancer that's eating away at the marriage situation. So I'm sorry again, Ellen, but Clark, that's a good point. Do you think that there was some underlying cancer or some underlying thing eating away at y'all that y'all had just not, you know, realized or come clean with? 
You know, lots of people come into relationships with baggage and they don't deal with it. And the relationship is a way to, you know, ignore right. that. Oh, absolutely. So I think what the question is, what is it? What was that baggage? I don't think we're any different from any other divorced couple in that way. There's, there's a lot of baggage. Name there, three. Yeah, name three. Name, yeah, name three. Name stop, three. Stop taking it. Stop taking yeah, it. Stop, stop, yeah, you boxing. You daddy. You boxing. What's his name? Floyd Mayweather. You Floyd Listen, Mayweather. give some insight here. Come on, man. I just want to know. So, so, so real insight, I would say her upbringing and relationship with her father. But how did that manifest in your relationship? What did that look like in your relationship together? Sure, I, I think there was a lot of frustration with the expectation as to what a man is supposed to be, a husband is supposed to be, or a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, that posed a huge issue. I think difficulty in past relationships that she had created certain expectations and created, and, and not necessarily positive expectations for, for me and my behaviors. And quite candidly, there was a time very early on where I fucked up. And that case, she carried that with her the entire time. Question. Yes. You fucked up how? I hooked up with somebody else. Shit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's real. I mean, that's, that's real. And so, and so, okay. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Right. And so that broke trust. Right. I mean, I don't know that there's, you know, there's plenty of women out there that, that could relate to that. And I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's inhuman. I'm not saying it's wrong. Right. I'm saying it is what it is, you know? I think also the difference is, you know, when you talk about, talk about the breaking of trust, you know, moving forward from the breaking of trust. I don't, I would never say to somebody, you know, you carrying this too long. You need to let it go. That's like me punching you in the mouth and telling you when it's supposed to stop hurting. And, uh, and I've thrown this out to people like, you look at that from a racial component. And that's what we're suffering from in this entire country. And the microcosm of that is you know, going through that in a relationship. It's like, I can't tell you when your pain should stop ending. Right. But if we are in a situation where five, 10, 15, 20 years removed from that, and I've shown you repeatedly and constantly that that's not the dude I am, or, I'm, or I've grown and evolved from that situation, how are we supposed to move forward if we keep returning to that? How, how are you showing that if you are emotionally unavailable? When and, trust in itself is rooted in emotional availability, and I, I will say the idea of emotional unavailability, it's subjective. You know, I, I often say perception breeds reality. Mm -hmm. And the idea of me being emotionally unavailable stems from that pain body that she had. And it was my realization, you know, fast forward a year into us being separated of, whoa, maybe I wasn't as emotionally unavailable as she made out to be. Maybe I was not as horrific as she makes me out or made me out to be. I'm waiting for her to get on, <laughs> for us to have this, this baby mama episode and talk about the nature of our relationship. Because there were a lot of times in our association where we were the only people that the other had. Yeah, I was incredibly supportive of her. So, did you guys ever seek therapy together? Well, we did. Okay. We did. We, you know, and the thing I think I say about therapy, and this is coming from me as a psychology major and somebody who wanted to be a clinical psychologist. Couples counseling only works if both of you are involved in the process. So, so I'm not absolutely on board with that, but go ahead. Yeah. So I'll say, like, for, like for me, like when she was like, you know, we should we should separate. 
and then we, we were going to counseling and from her perspective, it was like, okay, so we communicate better. And from my perspective, it was like, okay, I want to save this family. So we're going in with two different sets of expectations. And we also had a very interesting situation in therapy because we had like an 8 p.m. or or something like 7 or 8 p.m. start time with our therapist. We were like our last visits of the day. And so she's there like half dozing off on us, constantly messing up my ex-wife's name. I could not get her name straight, asking us to repeat ourselves over and over again. So for somebody who was originally checked out, has, has checked out of the situation, and then you're facing those difficulties in a therapy situation, she was even less likely to, to participate. Funny aside, I went to see the therapist on my own one day to like fill out some paperwork. She goes, hold on a second, goes in a drawer and pulls out a hearing aid. So she, she, had, a, she had a hearing disability and was not actively using her hearing aid while we were in session with her. So she wasn't throwing shade, <laughs> which I'm sure is where your wife's head was at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the idea of therapy, I'll say for me, candidly, I've gone to therapy at least three times individually since that process. And it's helped me tremendously. Like for me, I have to deconstruct things. I have to deconstruct them. I have to break them out down into logical components or comedic components. And that's the way they're going to resonate. So, so, but, but, but let me ask though, before I, you, we get off this thought, right? Yeah. So um, you talk about emotional unavailability and Ellen, I know we're going to get to me shortly. I have no qualms about Chris asking me the same sort of questions, right? But you talk about emotional unavailability and she says that you, you know, were emotionally unavailable and you're saying you don't think you were unavailable as she may have said, but you, I guess, agree that there might have been some emotional unavailability on your part. Where does that come from on your part? Because it's not just, well, I got this job and I need to make this money to get this work. It comes from somewhere. It's a part of you. It's a part of your DNA. Where does that come from? Yeah, and just me. Great question. Doing the self-assessment. I, I would say it's very difficult for me to deal with the whiny. Why? <laughs> why is it difficult for me to deal with whiny? Yeah, why? Yeah, because I, I think, especially when we're, we're two adults in a, in a situation and we're, we're, we both have pressures upon us, right? Like, we just have certain stuff we have to carry. And so I know for me, it, it sometimes it's like, dude, like, can, can we just get this done? Like, why, why does this have to be a bitch, I'm going to cry. Like, let, we just got to get this done. So it's grow up and put your big pan, boy pants on is what you're really saying, right? So, but, but the question is still, but I still got the same question. Where does that come from for you? You didn't make that up on your own. You got that from somebody. Oh, absolutely. You, you and I, have, I we, we, we touched on this in previous episodes. We are the sum total of our parents' fears, expectations, and our right. personal Okay, so which parent do you think you got that from? Oh, absolutely, my dad. Okay, so absolutely. so I know I have heard you talk about how your dad was a worker. He was at work a lot and all that other sort yeah. of stuff. Do you think maybe your mom experienced some of the same things with him? I would say candidly, yeah. I would say okay. candidly, yeah. She, I'm pretty sure she went through moments where she's just like, you know what, be a little bit more open and emotional. And so in hindsight, do you have some, not sympathy, but empathy for your ex-wife 
and her feeling that you weren't there emotionally for her. And keep in mind, you, you took it as whining and bitching and moaning, but what if what she was expressing to you was valid in her eyes and she didn't look at it as whining and bitching and moaning? And, and, and absolutely. That's why I go back to the statement that perception breeds reality. If you stub your toe, I don't know what your pain center is. I can't tell you all, oh, you know, get over it. It's the same thing with emotional trauma. And she, and I've said she has a pain body that you know, she's carried with her for a very long time. So, of course, that's going to make her. And, and, so did, and so did you. Right. I mean, we all have them. But I would say in her case, like, you know, it, hers makes her incredibly sensitive to certain things. And would it be safe to assume that yours makes you incredibly insensitive? Insensitive is relative, Ellen. It, right. Insensitive is relative. But I get where you're going with it. I get what right. you're saying. No, but, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not discounting what Ellen's saying. I'm saying to your point, David, insensitive is relative. And also, if you are objectively looking at the situation, the idea was you, you're not as insensitive as, as you're you were made out to be, or you're not as you know distant as you're made out to be. You know, you are in very many ways caring, loving, and supportive. You just didn't have tolerance for certain things. And to say, like, do I have empathy for it? Absolutely, because over time I've come to understand where a lot of her behaviors came from. You know, and I come to understand like, okay, this is why things manifest themselves in that way. Because I took the time to do that kind of deconstruction personally, but also trying to understand where she came from. Got it. One last quick question, quick answer. What would you do differently this time around? New relationship? You know what? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you would do all the same shit over. You know what? You know what? <laughs> I, 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 same exact shit you did in that relationship. I, I will tell you, one of the things that I've learned over the years is I cannot rewrite a chapter if I don't know how the book ends. Because everything that I've done has gotten me to where I am right now. Okay. Okay. I'm going to leave that right there. Thank you for that honest answer. Dave. Okay, so my first question to you is, um, how did you contribute to the end of the relationship? I stopped giving a fuck. Why? So, you know, you know my history, right, Ellen? Adoption and so on. Zero fuck up, yeah. I, when it initially became clear to me that this was not going to last, I remember going downstairs outside the building and talking to a friend of mine on the phone, crying. So I obviously had made the decision that, you know, I wasn't going to stick this out, right? Crying to my phone because my fear was that I was going to saddle my boy with the same baggage that I'm carrying or, or some other type of baggage that is similar to what I'm carrying and that he would be reduced, slowed down, not reach his full potential, whatever else it is, because he's dealing with all of this baggage the way I have dealt with it. And then after that, that decision was made, I was just like, fuck it. But I got to be honest, I don't think that there was anything that I could have done differently besides just sit it out and allow myself to be abused. I don't think that there was hey. anything else I could have done besides just sit there and allow myself to be abused. I, I reached a point in my life where I've said, there was a time in my life, it's like in my marriage, where I would just fucking be there and I just stick it out and take whatever comes because I was so afraid of the abandonment. You break up after being in a relationship for a significant amount of time, those issues of abandonment come up and there's like, you know, this fear in the pit of your stomach and this emptiness and you don't know what it's about. And, 
you know, so on. So there would be times when I would stick through shit simply because of that. But then after, you know, probably two or three relationships after my marriage, I said, fuck that. I don't have to do that shit no more. If I got through yeah. it now, and I got through it this time, I can get through it the next time. And I was just like, fuck that. I don't need to do this. Allowing somebody to be bad. So some people believe that if you allow me to be mean to you, that means you love me. No, I show you I love you by allowing you to be nice to me. I don't, have to sh I don't have to prove to anybody that I love them by allowing them to be mean, to if you understand what I'm saying. I do. So you've mentioned in a previous episode that you all were friends for an X amount of years. Ten years. Um, ten years. And yeah. then she got her divorce and then she professed, you know, her like for you. And then you guys started dating and everything happened relatively quickly. So during that, that time period, did you ever notice this meanness or, you know, weird um, behavior? I, yes. Did it all kind of... Yes. And how, how, how early on did you notice that? The first date. Are you shitting me? No. The first date. Oh. So and the so first, what, what did that the, look like? The first date, we didn't even go out. The first date that we had, we were supposed to go out. We set up a time to go out. I called and let her know that I was on my way because we had already said that this is the day, this is the time, and she didn't respond. And then just as I got up upon her building to show up, she reaches back to me to say, where are you? And I'm like, where am I? What do you mean, where am I? I'm pulling up outside your building. Where are you? Oh, I'm not there. I'm coming up in a taxi right now. Really? Okay. And at that point right there, I said to myself, I don't need this shit. Why start out with somebody who was supposed to show up and they're not showing up? Showing up is half the fucking game. If you show up, you know, you're halfway there. I didn't talk to her for like two or three weeks after that. Text you all me. never went on a date? We never went on that date. And she called and texted for a couple of weeks after that. Hey, just wanted to connect or whatever it is, how you doing, whatever else it is. And I just didn't respond. And then one day I did respond. So we actually went to therapy, right? And the therapist said, you guys need to figure out what was your connection. There was some reason that you guys connected. You need to figure out what that was. And I did. And what was it? <laughs> I was 49. She was 36 or 37. And we both wanted to have a baby. Okay. And so you went to therapy. And then how soon after that? So I'm, say I'm saying that want to have a baby was underlying. That's the energy. Right. You know, there right. is energy between people. And you don't even realize that energy is there. You, you, your pheromones are talking to each other and you don't even realize that that shit is, dude, this shit is fucking going on. Our pheromones were having a conversation and meanwhile, we and her just looking at each other, you know, starry-eyed, like, you know, oh, everything's gravy. And, and it's funny you say that because that's 99.9% .9 of the beginning of all relationships. Your yeah, pretty much. The biological imperative is saying things that your mouth isn't. Yeah. And then, but what we also don't take into consideration is that that biological imperative disappears after three to five. And then we're stuck as human beings with these emotional ties trying to pull everything back into in respect. So the first date, we didn't go out. Then we did go out and we had a decent time together. Then we started dating and I wasn't fully committed yet. And then eventually by June, May, April, somewhere around there, started dating more often when it got warmer out, we became committed. And by August, she was pregnant. When did therapy come into play? Was it before Miles or after Miles? While she was pregnant. And so 
why did you decide to move in with her instead of her with you? She's probably going to tell you her version. I've been meaning to talk about this shit for some time, and I'm glad you <laughs> asked. So she's living over here in Harlem. I had a place in the Bronx. I still have that place in the Bronx. A friend of mine's that I knew from one of the hangout spots here in Harlem was sleeping on sofas. He needed a place to sit. I said to him, so listen, the way this relationship is going, chances are we're probably, if I don't move in with her, we're probably going to grab a place together and then you can get my spot. And he was like, oh man, that would be great because, you know, he came up to New York from North Carolina. He's been sleeping on people's sofas ever since, you know, this person threw him out, you know, and he had no place to stay. And I felt bad for him, right? Probably in June or May, she said, uh, we should move in together. And I was like, okay. So, you know, where are we going to live? Your spot or my spot? And she was like, uh, well, I'm not moving. And I was like, okay. So her spot was more expensive than my spot, but that shit ain't mean nothing to me. I mean, either I'm going to spend money and go on four vacations a year, or I'm only going to go on two vacations a year. And I'm, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the money didn't mean a big deal to me, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, plus I was doing a good favor for somebody. So I said, okay, you know, I'll come live with you, right? So, you know, we're going deeper. We're going to go, go deeper, right? Here's, here was the second sign that there was some bullshit going on. The first question out of her mouth was, well, how much are you contributing uh, to the bills? So what I wanted to say is, I ain't asked you to come over there. You asked me to come over there. You've been paying for this by yourself for how long? Why all of a sudden now is that the topic of discussion? Because you're about to be a whole grown man living in our house. What were you expecting? That you shit was going to be just like, what? What was your expectation? Her asking you that threw you for a loop. So Ellen, I appreciate you getting closer to the camera. I appreciate you having your <laughs> pointed up. This is the Ellen that I know, y'all. Ellen will get in your face, right? <laughs> and I ain't got no problem with you getting in my face. The fact that there was an expectation that I would share in the expenses was not the issue. The issue is, how is that the first thing that comes out of your mouth after you ask me to come live with you? Well, why not get all that bullshit out of the way at, at Jump Street? Like, what, why are we waiting? If I ask you to come live with me, if I ask you to come live with me, I ain't asking you for nothing. Because I'm going to ask hold on, you. Hold on, hold on. Hold what on, are your wait, expectations? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. You know why I ain't asking you for nothing? Because you coming in that spot don't change nothing. How does that change anything? If I've been in this spot for two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, and I've been paying these bills for two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten years, and I ask you, you didn't ask me, I ask you to come live with me. How does you coming to stay with me change anything that goes on? Can I tell you how that changes things? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. Hold on, from where I sit. The con ed may go up a little bit, but what else is going to change? The food? Okay, well, you're going to buy Okay, but I'm a national. The only thing that's not changing is the rent. Exactly. So why is that the first topic of conversation? Because there's a whole host of other bills that are going to go up. The only thing that doesn't change is the rent. Everything else goes up. See, and so why can't you ask that? David, because well, here's, here's, here's why, I, I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, David, why you're offended by that, because... The male perception of the situation is completely different than the female perception in general. And I think for men, as you look at it, it's like, yo, I've been doing this before. You just come in, you just come in into my crib, whatever. And I think it goes back to the disconnect that happens a lot of times during the uncoupling. Men in general, assume that there's a certain level of responsibility that goes along with having a woman in your life. And sometimes that's financial responsibility. So you don't have the conversation if a woman moves in with you in general. Um, I think there's also a certain level of misery that, that they, 
assume goes along with being coupled and being in a relationship that women aren't programmed from you know, infancy is there. Listen, all I'm saying is you asked me, you invited me. If I invite you to out to dinner, I don't ask you if you're going to pay for something. If I invite you to go to the movies, I don't ask you how much are you going to, or you get the popcorn and I'll get this. If I invite you to go on vacation, male or female, I don't ask you. That's not the first thing out of my mouth. But that's also that's a very not the norm. I, I think that that's an adult thing. I don't think that that's a male or a female thing. All right. I, I think I'll, that that is an adult perspective. I'll, I'll touch on it for like, I think this is fodder for the dating episode. Like, have you ever had a woman ask you out or say, hey, while we go somewhere? and then look at you strange when you didn't go in your pocket? If a woman invites me out, she knows that I'm not paying for nothing. <laughs> How does she know that? So welcome, welcome to our world. And also another thing um, that's a little too real for us women is we don't want a dude that's just going to be posted up on a couch collecting dust. Now, I know that's not you, David, by any stretch of the fucking and, imagination, and, but... That's and, a real fear. And my point is she should have known that also. That's my point. She should have, she knew me for 10 years. She knew, knows what I do. She knows my business. We work together. She should have known that also. That should not have been the first thing out of her mouth. But, that, but, it, but it's also funny. It's that, that, that two things that don't match. I don't want to do who, who's posted up on the couch. But I also don't want to do who's working. Yeah. It's like, and yeah. if you, if you if you know that David is a hardworking dude, and you know David is about his business, and you know David brings in cash, you know he's not gonna be sitting on the couch. But it ain't even about how much of it is enough to cut you off, David. But I'm like, how much of it is your responsibility to alleviate a fear for some shit that don't exist? So so that's that's see now I like that about him, right? But that's the insensitive part. Right. <laughs> but, it ain't my job. job. It ain't my job to make you feel good about some shit that you shouldn't feel bad about in the first place. Right, and that's, that's a good point. No, no, hold on. I'm not saying that that's how I feel. I'm saying that that's something about him that I like, that I have agreed with often in my life. But let me just get back to um, how we separate. And you asked the question about. And I know I'm going to get kicked in the teeth for it, right? But I'm willing, to, I'm willing to fucking go at it because, you know, part of me going at it right now is that I want her, so we want to do a baby mama episode. And right now, I know if I asked her, she ain't all about that shit, right? But I'm hoping that some of this inspires her to come on for equal time, right? I hope so, too. Yeah. Yeah. So... You'll be a badger baiting. So, so now I'm getting ready to... Um, uh, uh, Strap in, everybody, because this is going to be rough. Yeah. So here's what I found out. So she was recently divorced. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll be taking a breath. And she was getting alimony from her husband. And that alimony ended about three or four months before I moved in. Now, you take from that. You, well, that answers the question. You take from that whatever it is, right? But we had an argument one time because um, she says to me, um, why didn't you say we should move into your place? Why did you agree with me to move in my place? I don't need a man that just says yes to whatever it is I say. I need a man that will stand up to me and all that other sort of stuff. And I was like, listen, B, you the one that said you wasn't moving. 
that shit ain't make no big deal to me to pay no extra bills. Why all of a sudden is money an issue now? You've been living in that motherfucker for two, three years, whatever else it is. How? Because I didn't know all of this stuff that I just talked to you about. Why is that stuff a big deal now? I didn't know. I didn't know what you know the situation was. I didn't find out until after I was already there. So I'm saying these were some of the red flags that were there that normally in a situation like this, I would have bounced a lot sooner. But because that energy was there, that energy about she, I wanted a child and she wanted a child, that shit was talking to each other and I just ignored everything else. Was there love there? Were you in love? Mm. Yeah. Does silence imply consent? I don't know. I wanted a child. So, why? Right. But, and, 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 I guess for clarification's sake, and and I have a whole. I'm gonna get my fucking head handed to me on this. Show. Oh no, dude, I, I, I'm over here, and I, and I feel you. I feel like this is this is an incredibly deep dive, and it's some touchy stuff coming up, right? But there was like there was an affinity because you know you guys had this friendship beforehand. The biological imperative was there. You were actually you were. Obviously, sexually attracted to each other. You know, th- there was that fertility component that's speaking on on subliminal and chemical levels. But was that emotional component, for clarification's sake, was there? You know, was there that feeling like, yo, I love this chick for whatever and whatever degree of love there is. You know, because love, love is love isn't a, a flat out thing. There's a sliding scale to this month. So I have said this often, and I'm going to say this again, and I say this about any relationship that I have ever been in and any relationship that I will ever be in. Um, I have not experienced true love, except I can count on one hand the occasions, right? And uh, one of those occasions is uh, when I realized how much my um, adoptive parents really meant to me and the love that they put out for me, right? And another time was when my son was born and the love that I have and still have in my heart for him. And when I think about the word love, if it don't feel like that, I have a hard time accepting that it's really love. I am, uh, I just have a hard time. If it's not on that level, I'm not quite sure that I can call it love. So, so let, me, let, me, let me tell you this, let me tell you. We found out she was pregnant. Three days later, we're in the bedroom and uh, she wants to have a conversation with me about starting a college fund for my kid. And I'm saying, yo, you just peed on the stick fucking three days ago. What the fuck, man? What are you talking about starting a goddamn college fund? I'm just trying to have a a healthy baby. How about we start there? Well, we need to discuss having, you know, um, this college fund. This is a conversation we really need to have. And I said, you just peed on the fucking stick. This shit isn't even fucking dry yet. This shit is still in the bathroom. Yo, what are you talking about? We starting a goddamn college fund. You need to fucking relax. And she went. That's the day I know and love. And she went the fuck off. I'm done. I'm done. You ain't no leader. You ain't no leader. I'm done. I'm done. This is over. 
So, you know, when I talk to people about that, everybody tries to tell me that you need to chalk that shit up to the fucking hormones. I don't chalk that shit up to no fucking hormones. But, and, and it's wild. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. You agree with me there what? That it was too early to talk about it? Or you don't chalk it up to no fucking hormones? I don't chalk it up to no hormones. Come on, bro. We've known each other for how fucking long? So you know what type of dude you fucking dealing with. Listen, don't, come, don't come to me with that bullshit. Listen, you know who I am. Listen, you know my core. I don't believe that she really wanted to go our separate ways, right? I don't really believe that. This is what I meant when I said I stopped giving a fuck. I think that it was a way, so, you know, you say to me, we need to go get a new apartment. We need to get a larger apartment. We don't need to be in this apartment. Nigga, we staying right here until I get ready to go. Because if we go somewhere and I'm absolutely responsible for it, then I need to be comfortable wherever it is and I need to go when I'm not ready to go, not when you're ready to go, right? If you want to go, go ahead, bye. You know, knock yourself out. Right. So I said no to that. I said no to, you know, starting the college fund. I said no to a bunch of things. And I think that, and I've talked about this before, that I don't think she really wanted out as much as she really wanted me to bend. And I would not bend. So she's trying to hold you emotionally hostage. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I feel that if I really think about it, do I think that I was being difficult when I said no? to the 15 different things that I was asked about. And I'm saying, no, no, I don't think I was being difficult. Now, this could be the part of me, like we just talked about Clark, where you know you don't see yourself the way other people see you, right? So what, go ahead, your eyes are wide, Ellen. Why are your eyes wide? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, you, you, you come across very fucking abrasive. And so if that's how you are in relationships with your woman, then yeah, that, that might be something you want to look at. You you might want to you might want to think about it. So, so you, you come in you come in with zero fucks given, Dave. What do you zero. mean zero fucks given? Come on. Yeah. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. If hold you don't on. agree with that shit, it's not going down. I don't know that there's hold room hold for any negotiation. You you come in hot, especially if it's a hot topic. So so this is I think where me and Clark might be similar, right? This is when I sit back. This is how I look at it, right? This is what I saw. I see me getting up in the morning uh, and taking my kid down to your mama's so that she can watch him during the day while we're both at work. And then, you know, even though, you know, you were supposed to pick him up in the afternoon, I see myself going to get him because you said you had something else to do the majority of the time, right? And I'm with him home the majority of the time after work. And I'm buying the majority of the diapers and I'm buying the majority of the milk and I'm giving your mother $500 a month to take care of them. I'm paying the majority of the rent and I'm paying the cable by myself and I'm paying Con Ed by myself and I'm taking you out to dinner and I'm buying you $1,200 shoes and bags and clothes and every other fucking thing else. I don't want to hear no motherfucking bullshit. That is too much power for one man to have. Then don't take it. Then say no when I offer it. Pretty much. But then, so, and that gets a little weird, right? So if you're doing all these things, then the alternative is shut the fuck up. Like there's no middle ground. Say no. Say no, I don't want that. I ain't doing nothing that you didn't ask me to do. I'm doing what you fucking asked for. If you don't want it, say no. If you want something else, ask for something else. Don't ask me for that. 
Don't ask me for that. And then when I'm giving it to you, now you got a problem. This is all you're giving. You ain't giving nothing else. What the fuck are you giving me? Yeah, I, mm, I, that's a million dollar question. Well, and, 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 and I, I, I listen to what you're saying, David. And, the and, and, idea is that you gave me a baby, so that's the end of your fucking job. No, it ain't. Well, I, I say like this, and, and I'm not discounting what you're saying. I, to Ella's point, like, you come in hot. <laughs> you know, so what I, what I find in our, in our dialogue is I tend to be the velvet glut the velvet glove over your iron fist, right? And <laughs> what you're saying is, you know, even though you're coming in hot, it's absolutely articulating a lot of the disconnect that yeah. a lot of dudes that I know feel in their relationships. Hell, you just probably more succinctly said what I was saying in my relationship, because that, that, that was a lot of the case. It was me being the sole provider, the sole source of income, you know, having to pay a mortgage, bought you a car for Christmas, you know, taking care of doing all the grocery shopping. So I'm the one who walked into the grocery store and everybody knows me by name. Cooking all the meals, cooking all the meals. Well, she cooked. I can't take that away from her. I'm she telling cooked. you I cooked all the meals. I cook a lot too, but we, we, we you know, split the cooking. She primarily did it. But it's still like, okay, I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all these things. And it's still not enough. Dude, I still took you out to dinner. I'm still taking you out to party. I'm still taking you out to clubs and everything else like that. I ain't fucking just going to work and coming home and cutting the motherfucking check. Right. Fuck that. Tell me why you mad, son. I'm telling you, <laughs> yo, tell me why you why? mad. Yo, you asked. You, yo, <laughs> you fucking ask. Don't ask. Don't ask. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. When you guys both realized that the babe, having a baby was the, the, the bond, I don't Did think we both realized. Him? No, no, no. We never had that conversation. I'm telling but you. But I thought you said when you right went to now. therapy. No, it never came up. Oh. He asked the question. We never talked about it. We never talked Got about it. it over open. She's probably just hearing it right now. <laughs> Got it. Who do you think she saw through her rose-colored glasses? I don't know. All I know is after we separated, that motherfucker asked me for another baby at least five times. <laughs> Wow. So if I was so goddamn awful, why are you asking me for another baby? Yo, son, can, can I not That's be a on valid question. <laughs> That's a valid question, Dave. Yo, son. And that, that, that pretty much, yeah, proves Yo, what it is. Hold on, I got to take a deep breath. You just aired that out, son. Yeah, that's a lot. Listen. Somebody might, you know, it might get denied now. I've never said that. I've never said But listen, I'm telling you, at least five times can I have another baby. How much alcohol was involved, though? Because <laughs> you can't really hold it to that. It was just a conversation over the phone. Uh, when are we going to work on our relationship? You said we were going to work on our relationship. Does she, does she still want to be with you today? Is that an option? I have no idea. Um, I do not broach those conversations. Those conversations get started, and I just get off any conversation outside of what time are we picking them up what time are we dropping them off yeah. just get yeah. off i just get off because it, it elevates too fast and it gets out of control too fast and then i might end up saying something that i really mean you know how some people say shit that they don't really mean no i say what i really mean <laughs> so so she's broached the con so she broaches the conversation on reconciling and having more kids no, she, well, that happened a while ago. That was happening a lot last year. No, but the conversation she'll broach is, you know, so how you feeling, whatever else it is. And I say to myself, okay, where's this going? I don't want to get into this conversation with you. So I just get off. Who, who did you see through your rose-colored glasses, Dave? So when we worked together 10 years ago, I was running a project where we were trying to get land from the city of New York. And they assigned her to help me. 
you know, I guess they felt like I was in over my head or I just needed some help or whatever else. And she said that she was going to go out and file these papers to get us designated as a, what they call a CHODO, a community um, development organization. And I said, well, there's a lot of work involved with that. Why do that? You're going to waste time with that when we should be focusing on the proposal so that we can get these parcels to land. And she said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, go ahead. As long as it don't take away from, you know, what we're working on over here, that's fine. And she did. And the city sent the letter awarding us the property that we were after and we got it. And one of the things they said in the letter is you were partially awarded to this because you are a Chodo. And I remember the email came around that said, uh, congratulations to David Crockett, who just got us, you know, three point something million dollars from the state of New York and these parcels of land. And I had to send an email back that said, I cannot take full credit for this. I also have to thank her because she did such and such, even though I thought she shouldn't. And that was part of the reason that we were granted this thing. So that's the person I saw, somebody who was hardworking, somebody who was tough and somebody who would get things done. And do you think that she is no longer hardworking and tough and gets things done? Damn, okay. Yeah, yeah it, it, you think about it. Nobody is 100% uh, one way 100% of the time, right? You know, so you will have somebody who's tough, hardworking and a go-getter, you know, and gets things done in a business standpoint and in completely impassive and, and completely stagnant in their personal life. So, I don't so, know what so, so, so let me, let me, let me say this, right? Let me say this, right? There's a whole bunch of, what do y'all call them? Fuck boys. Yeah. Fuck boys. There's a whole bunch of fuck boys out here, right? Yeah. You know, and there's a whole bunch of fuck dads out here too, right? Dads that uh, saddle you with the kid and they're going on and they're doing their lives. They send you whatever it is they can send you, whenever it is they can send you, and that's the end of it. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of fuck girls out here too. I know that's right. All right. The problem is, is that the dude beat you to it. If you had the opportunity to be the fuck girl before he got a chance to be the fuck boy, you would. I believe you. And if they come across a motherfucker like me or Clark or the 1,000 other people that we talk to that are in the same situations that we are, those same women who complain about how they shit would be doing the same shit if they just had the opportunity. Well, maybe scale back on the excessive shopping spree. In the beginning, vet these, I was going to say the B word, but vet these women out so, before showing all your cards on the table. So I should not be organic. I, where has that gotten you thus far? I don't know about excessive shopping sprees, but I mean, you know, that's relative, right? But right. I should you, not be You know organic. what I mean, though. But I should not be organic. So when Diddy, so when Diddy, because it's all relative. So when Diddy meets a girl and he buys her a Bugatti on the first date. You know, that Bugatti ain't no big deal to him. And those Louboutin shoes ain't a big deal to me. It's not a big deal. Yo, I still never bought anybody a pair of Louboutins. <laughs> Yo, but you don't get the message with that, the expectation that, that, that that's setting in the beginning of a relationship. So thank you very much for saying that because I want a whole bunch of people to hear this when I say it, right? I am not looking for a person who sees that and says to themselves, what else can I get out of this motherfucker? I'm looking for the person who sees that and appreciates it and says, okay, I like this. I want to be here for this. Let me show them that I can do relatively the same or be relatively the same in return. There are a billion people on the planet or four, six billion people on the planet, right? But there's only a select few who recognize a good thing when they got it 
and then they stick with it. There's a whole gang of motherfuckers that see a good thing, let that shit get away, and then want to come back and be like, hey, you know, okay, I made a mistake. Can you forgive me? No, fuck that. I don't do rebounds. Either I get it in, either, I don't, I don't, I don't grab rebounds. Either I get it in on the first shot or I'm walking away. Do you have any regrets? I wanted to have a girl also. I still want to have a girl. So no regrets in a relationship, just in having a girl. Okay. Anything you would do differently in a relationship? Same answer as Clark. Crickets. Okay. So when we, <laughs> so when I decided, so when I decided that I was moving out, right, I moved around the corner. So now I go from paying half or a little bit more than half of her rent to paying full of my rent plus, and then some. Why did I do that? Because I wanted to be a stone's throw away from my kid. Because I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to see my kid whenever. But all of that was nice because I would have done that regardless, right? You know why I really did this shit? Because I knew that I would get 800 calls in the middle of the fucking night. I didn't get this. I need milk. I ain't got diapers. All the other fucking bullshit. And I wasn't going to be coming running all the way from the motherfucking Bronx or Brooklyn where I really wanted to go. I wasn't going to go all over running from Brooklyn in the middle of the goddamn night because the perception is reality. They would have been looking at me like, how you not going to bring your kid diapers? Motherfucker, I keep diapers in my house. How you not going to keep diapers in your house? When I know my kid is coming over, I make sure there's milk in my house. How are you not going to make sure there's milk in your house? What the fuck is going on in your life that's different than what's going on in my life that you can't make sure you got milk in the motherfucking house? I feel that. It's not, it ain't about money. It's about when you on the way home, I make sure that I stop and get whatever the fuck it is I got to get so that once he goes to sleep, I don't have to run back outside. Uh, it's the path of least resistance. It's, it's easier. It's yeah. just easier. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so, 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 so what's the value I placed on that? Let me be clear. An extra $1,000 a month. My rent is an extra $1,000 a month. I could have gone somewhere else and gotten something for $1,000 cheaper, but I would have been further away. It's easier to be right here so that when I get a call five minutes to six and daycare closes at six, uh, I'm not going to make it in time. Uh, can you go get it from daycare? You just fe- realized at 5.55 that you wasn't going to make it there at 6 o'clock? You just figured that out. I cannot wait for the baby mama episode. Listen. I pray. I pray to God. She or they both come on. I really do. Because yeah. it would be amazing to hear both POVs at the same damn time. But the problem, but the problem with that is that you're going to have to come with receipts. Because motherfuckers say whatever the fuck it is they want to say. You got to come okay. with Put that out there. But I bought you a car. I bought you a car for Christmas. You ain't buy that car. I bought that car. You you ain't buy. That was I had the co-sign. You ain't co-signed shit. Yes, I did co-sign. Now he gotta walk off camera and go downstairs looking through a fucking file cabinet for the next 30 minutes, looking for the goddamn <laughs> thing that she said he had no fucking that she didn't buy no fucking co-sign shit. And then bring the shit upstairs. 30 minutes later, and say like, so now where your signature at? Where your signature at? We got, we got, we yeah. got to post it on the website. Yeah, yeah. And then and she's like, oh, right. okay. But that don't mean nothing though, because I still did this to make up for that. You, and then you got to go back and forth with that sort of nonsense. You got to expect, you're, you're expecting, have you watched Love and Hip Hop? You got to expect Never. the union show that people are going to be honest. And they're just not. Yeah. Honesty is a function of perception. If from your perception you don't, Clark, no, some people just lie. Some people just lie. Stop, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop making it. 
Some yeah. people just lie. That is true. But see, and, and here's where difficulty comes in. People tell lies so frequently or, or with such intricacy that they start to believe their own bullshit. Like that's what we used to call it that. That's true too. So are y'all, are y'all saying that your exes may come on this show and spew some bullshit? I'm not saying my exes come on here. Don't, don't put words in my mouth. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> I don't put words in my mouth. Don't, don't, don't be trying to get me fucked up. <laughs> I'm All right. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, asking. I'm, 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 what I'm saying. Y'all talking about receipts and then come, oh. come to the table with receipts. So it's like, so what's, I, what's, the, listen, what's the assumption here then? Listen, listen. You see what she's trying to do, right? <laughs> don't be giggling to yourself, Ellen. So, so here, let me give you an example. Let me give you a, a real quick example. I mean, we've been at this now for what? An hour and a half? Yeah, we need to mm -hmm. tie a bow on this thing. Yeah. Right? So let me just give you a, a real quick example, right? Yeah. So, um, and this is real, right? So uh, the other day, we were having a conversation about healthcare insurance and how, and this didn't just come from her, it came from other people that she had spoken to who were, you know, obviously she's been having conversations with people. So she says, or the conversation was, he's on your health insurance now and he's been on your health insurance since early 2017, about a year and a half, almost two years ago. But prior to that, wasn't he on her health insurance? So, I mean, it's about the same thing. Y'all shouldn't have to split the health insurance costs because he was on her health insurance first and now he's on yours. So the conversation I had to have with the person or, or I had to take the person and shake them and say, we lived together for the first year. So we, we split bills, we split costs for the first year. To say that he was on her health care insurance, so now she paid for it all by herself. When I paid the majority of the rent, I paid the Con Edison by myself, I paid the cable by myself, and I paid mom $500 a month to watch him during the day by myself. Doesn't even make sense. It just doesn't but make sense. did she pay the health insurance by herself? They took it out of her check, yeah. So go ahead, Ellen, because you sound like you, you, you agree with that statement. I mean, it's a, she paid the health insurance by herself. That's the fact. That, that was the question, right? So, right? and you think that that's the equivalent of us, of us when we live apart and now I'm paying the health insurance by myself. You think that's the equivalent? Mm, no, but I just wanted to be clear on whether she paid the health insurance on her own. They took it out of her check for the first right. year that we lived together. Yes. So do you think that that is the same as us living apart where I'm paying the health insurance all on my own now? Do you, and I'm, ask, uh, I'm asking a legitimate question. Do you believe that is equivalent? Like it should just cancel itself out because while we were living together, they took it out of her check. She paid for it her own. But now while we're living apart, uh, I'm paying for it by myself with no share from her. Yeah, that's a, that, that, that's a tricky answer. I don't know that I could answer that. How do you see it, Clark? Because I, I say it like this. She was receiving numerous aspects of financial support from you as you were living together, and her contribution for the the healthcare you know, was kind of canceled out by all of the other things that you were paying for. Now that you're living separately and things are cut and dry, they're split, and the agreement is that she's going to pay a, a portion of the healthcare, what she did previously doesn't necessarily count. That's like me saying, oh, you know, I paid for all these things beforehand and now you owe me. We're divorced. We're living in separate households. I can't go back and say, well, you know, I covered your cost for room, board, and, and, and lodging or whatever the hell. 
I can't go back and dig in her pocket for what I took care of while we were living together as a family. So, 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 so this is a difference between a woman's perspective and a man's perspective. So, so then I should be able to go back then, get the $500 a month I paid, you know, her mama for taking care of him during the day. No, shouldn't I? Under, under your thought process, Ellen, because I paid for that by myself with no contribution. No, it, it, it all sounds crazy. It, it all sounds crazy to have to go back to now ask for money that was dished out for passion. That all sounds nuts. But for you to also say she was paying health insurance and I was paying a whole bunch of things here, that all cancels out the little bit that she was doing. That, 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 that sounds a little weird to hear. That it cancels it out? Yeah. So this gets to a central point between men and women, Ellen, that I don't think women will ever be honest about, right? My money, This is, I'm speaking as a woman now, right? My money, yeah, you ready, Clark, right? You know where I'm going, right? My <laughs> money is for me. Your money is for us. Um, no, that also sounds nuts, too. <laughs> it sounds nuts, but it's, 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 it's heavily in practice. It's heavily in practice. Heavily in practice. You know, I, I can't speak for all women, but yeah. for me, that sounds nuts. It now, Ellen, I listened to the episode. Less, Ellen, I listened to the episode where y'all talked about this, where the Be Easy podcast. And so you know what I said. And so you know what I said. But you're saying something else now. No, all I'm saying is that it just sounds crazy to hear you say that everything you did eh, sucked a little bit that she did. That's all I'm saying. No, and it wasn't, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a devaluing of what she's saying, but if you look at that's it... That's what it sounded like. I'm, that's devaluing, all, that's I'm devaluing that $100.50 something cents she paid a fucking... There everything. you go, sorry. I'm devaluing there you go. that bullshit. I'm devaluing that And that's that all I'm speaking How are you going to bring that bullshit up? How are you going to bring that bullshit up when I was kicking out... It matters to her. It Ken, matters to her. Listen, listen. It's not equivalent. It's not equivalent. I don't I don't want you to think that I'm saying that it's equivalent. Clark, However, it an, is down Clark, If a dude, if Clark, you, Clark, now you showing your sensitive side, right? But you need to be real about this. If a dude <laughs> was complaining, if a woman was in the house paying the majority of the bills, carrying the majority of the load, and then they went their separate ways, and the dude was talking about that $100 a month he spent, on the health insurance, when she's kicking out twenty one hundred dollars a month, they, they would look at him like he, he, they, they would look at him, him like he was fucking nuts, yo. They gonna flame him. They would and, look at him like he's they would drag him behind a goddamn pickup truck down fucking Mayberry fucking yeah. He would get dragged for bringing that shit up. How right, weird. but he is, he, he's still entitled to feel how he feels about his little bit of hundred fifty dollars. Ellen, full of shit right now. Go ahead. <laughs> But you, you know how that entire conversation started? That entire conversation started because somebody was in her ear that didn't have the full story. And that's where the danger lies. No, she told that because that's what she wanted to be the narrative. That's the narrative she told when I complained, right? I'm paying $360 a month for his health care. Mm, okay. There's no respect for our money. There's absolute respect for a woman's money. There is no respect for a man's money. That's You're all subjective, but okay. You're a man. You're supposed to do that. You're supposed to take care of that. You're supposed to handle that. And, and while I'm doing everything I can, I'm batting one for you right now, Clark. And then while I'm doing everything I can to take care of that, how come you ain't paying attention to me and all you think about is work? Yo, fuck this. I'm better off by myself. Yo, I'm, I'm sitting here laughing because I'm like, as, as, 
I'm sitting there laughing because I'm like, yo, he just knocked that one out the park because that's that's basically. I'm better off by myself. I can't argue with that. And so, Dave, why, really quickly, why do you think I'm full of shit now? <laughs> so, I don't think you're full of shit <laughs> as a person. I think you're full of shit on no, I know. subject. Right. Okay. On this but, but why? Subject, what okay, Ellen, there is no way in the world you are going to live in a house with a man and you're carrying the majority of the fucking load and, and even though he's getting up and going to work and all that other sort of stuff and you're carrying the majority of the load and then if y'all happen to go y'all separate ways and he starts talking about that $100 a month he spent on groceries and how um, that should mean something when y'all start splitting up the furniture, you know, like, get the fuck out of here. I bought all of this furniture. I paid for the vacations that we gone on. I had to do all the majority of that stuff. What you, how are you bringing up the fact that you spent $100 a week on fucking groceries? The fuck out of here. So to say that there's no way I'm going to be in that situation, like how, how, that's just, that's so absolute. How do you know? You're saying you're not going to be in that situation or you're saying if you were in that situation, you would be, you would say to him, uh, yeah, your $100 a week matters. Sorry, your $100 every two weeks matters. Um, you see the way she's rubbing her throat, right? So, so you see the way she's rubbing her throat, right? Let me tell you something. Again, I I would probably curse him the fuck out. Right. Why? With that said, and so, like I said, two or three times, I agree with what you're saying. It just sounded crazy (laughs) to hear it. Because it's one thing saying that shit, and you know, you don't give a fuck. But when you hear somebody else saying it. I can see how that could feel a little side jab to, to the other person. And that's the only, you know, perspective I was coming from. You need, so, so yeah, it sounds crazy coming, but if you've had to say it once or twice, it don't sound crazy no more. Oh shit. Okay. Everybody. Yeah. You Yo, you better than me. Cause number one, I don't think I have it in me <laughs> to like co okay. with another human being <laughs> right now. I, I don't know if I could be like sharing space with anybody again and, Yo, I, yo, I'm being divorced has taught me, yo, I really like my own space. I really now I could date somebody and you live over there and I live over here. Maybe we could do that. And even the idea of like, yo, settling down and dating one person for a protracted period of time. Right now, I'm just like, nah, I don't know if I got that in me. Dave, what about you? What about me? What? Real <laughs> bad. <laughs> Dad, why are you mad? <laughs> Ellen, let me Can tell you. you let me tell you, Ellen Can knew. But Ellen, 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 bring up the no, 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 no. Ellen knew that I was going to answer exactly like that when she asked the question. <laughs> she knew that that's the way I was going to come. She knew it. Oh, man. So do, do you think you can cohabitate? Well, you first of all, you answered a question that I hadn't asked, um, which was, do you see yourself having more kids? And so when you mentioned that you wouldn't mind having a girl, I was pleasantly surprised because I think in, I don't know if it was episode two, you said you are done. No, David said he so wanted, what? I said, hell no. <laughs> he had said he wanted a girl. It, oh, okay. Okay. So I, have and to I was like, okay. nah, son. So we was, he and I were butting heads about that because he was like, what if you Not it another? again. But Dave, you are open to another kid. Yeah, I'm open to another kid. You open to marriage? Ooh, I can see you being somebody's husband. So let me tell you, listen, listen. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, my initial reaction is yes, you know, but. Okay, 
Go ahead. You got another question? No, I think, I mean, that, that, that was it. Um, yeah, that was pretty much it. So my questions go. All right. I mean, my, my, my closing statement is, you know, you, you hear a lot about men that check out of fatherhood or, or lose custody, but rarely do we get insight from the male POV on women that don't have primary custody or aren't primary caregivers. So your podcast is um, a breath of fresh air. Thank you. It really is. Thank you. And, you know, you guys are the exception to the rule. I mean, financially able and stable and can be present in every capacity. And so with that in mind, what advice do you have for the man that doesn't have his own but has fathered a kid or a kid? Um, I have often heard, because I listen, you know, to a bunch of people speak podcast or whatever else it is, right? Being there is just as important, like showing up is just as important, you know, if you can't, you know, fiscally support, right? You fell on hard times, you don't make much money, you know, whatever else it is. I can't tell you how many times that I hear women say, just come get them on the weekend so that I can get a break and spend, you know, have some time. I want to live my life. I want to go out. I want to date. I want to do things. I want to, you know, but I can't because my life is completely wrapped up. You know, so like let her get some time to herself to go do her thing and, you know, that she's not always relying on her mama or her sister or her girlfriends or whoever else it is because that's not cool. So just show up, show up, you know, especially if you can. That, that, that's, there is so much value in just showing up, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that, that would be my, uh, you know, time, a resource that, that has no value. Yeah. It's invaluable. Yeah, I'll add to that and I'll say, don't let your fear stop you from being a part of that kid's life. But one of the problems, like, to your point about money and the financial situation, like, when my ex and I split, I wasn't working. I had gone through a layoff, and that layoff lasted about nine months. And I remember sitting there going, oh, shit, I don't have a job. I can't afford to take care of my kids. I'm not going to have access to my kids. And she has all the money now, or she has money now, so she'll be the one who can control and dictate how things went down. That is not how things work legally. Do your homework. You have a smartphone in your pocket. Get on Google. Understand that being an active father doesn't cost anything. I think that's the first thing. Also, if you have screwed up in the past and you haven't been there, don't let that be the impediment to building that bridge back to your child. Because that's the other thing. I hear a lot of dudes go, well, man, yo, he's five now. He, you know, he ain't no, <laughs> yo, he's 10 now. You know, she's, she's 18 now. Do you know how much of a difference you actively being in your child's life makes? Like, I think it's lost on people. I think they don't get that. And a lot of it is fear. It's fear of, you know, owning up to the fact that you were fucked up in the past and you need to make right by it. It's fear that you, if you do extend up to your child, that your child may not accept you right away. Ultimately, they will if you keep trying. Mm. You know, ultimately, they will. But I think a lot of dudes get caught up in the pride thing. And it's like, oh, you know, if they want to talk to me, they call me. You a goddamn adult. You made them. Stop letting fear eat your ass. Reach out to your kids. Well said. All right. Uh, okay. Ellen, do you have anything you want to promote? 
Yes, I do. Again, I just want to shout out the Be Easy podcast and let people know that they can listen to all our episodes, past um, episodes. You could binge on 13 of them for season one. Our website address is the-b-easypodcast.com. And on our website, you can find all our platforms, um, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and uh, Google Play Podcasts. You could find us on social media on IG and Twitter at BeEasyPod. That's B-E-A-S-Y-P-O-D. Last but certainly not least, season two airs on Monday, September 16th at 12 noon and um, every Monday thereafter. So definitely tune in, subscribe, rate us. We appreciate all the love. All right. That sounds great. Um, one of the things we want to announce is that we have voicemail now. So if you're feeling a certain way about something uh, we said or something we didn't say, Single Dad While You Mad has voicemail, 646-389-2852. And uh, I got my glasses on. I want to make sure I get that right. 646-389-28. Is that a five or a six? It's a five. It's a five? What did I say before? You said five? Okay. You said five. All right. All right. Just want to make sure. Um, yep. Uh, 646-389-2852. 646-389-2852. And we may even play your message on an episode. Uh, yeah. You just made us seem mad old. <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> yeah. Well, I think... We should close out by just saying, ladies, gentlemen, consenting adults, thank you for listening again. Yeah, we're going to see you in about two weeks. But until then, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Single Dad Why You Mad, spelled all the way out, no abbreviations. Visit our website, www.singledadwhyyoumad.com. Subscribe, comment, rate us, write us a review on iTunes. Uh, we're on Google Play. We are on Stitcher and uh, pretty much all the major podcast formats. Once again, thank you to our 1,000-plus followers and uh, those who continue to follow us on Instagram. Make sure to like, tell a friend, spread the word. Thank you, and that's all we got, right? That's it. Okay. All right.